the goal is to not disparage that one exercise then. That's what a lot of my post-evangelical friends do. They say the entire enterprise is flawed and, you know, like Disney World and we hate it all. Well, it's not enough, but it's actually really beautiful in ways. And so there are gifts to every tradition that we dare not ever lose. And I say that to my Catholic friends and to my Episcopal friends, to my Baptist friends. And with every tradition, there are toxic parts that need to be rejected and let go. Mm -hmm. And then there are missing parts that need to be um, included. And yeah. Before we get going, a small ad break. Bear with me. I'll be right back. there. Happy day, whatever day this is that you're listening. I am Seth. This is the podcast. And um, I'm excited. Now then, I need to say thank you to quite a few of you, but there are three in specific that I really wanted to call out. So Jason Fishburn, Lisa Prather, and Matthew Uhlenberg. I'm really hopeful that I said that right. Thank you so much for your support on Patreon. If you want to be like these people, and you should be, consider supporting the show. They are making this thing go, and I am so very thankful for those of you that have done that. This is the thing because of them and people like them, and so you should be among them. Thank you again to you three and to everyone else that I just am missing the names at the moment. This week I brought back Aaron Nequist, and for those that have missed that first episode, go back and listen. It's called The Eternal Current, and there will be a link down in the show notes, and you should hear that. It's a fantastic episode. And honestly, Aaron's book, and I said this in the episode, changed the way that I do some of what I do spiritually. Uh, he gave me some new practices that I was unfamiliar with that set me on a journey of doing things differently. And it was very helpful. And I'm very appreciative of that. And um, yeah, so I brought Aaron back because he has recently written a liturgy and he's written many liturgies throughout the last few years. He and other people with him, I'm certain. And it's on the Lord's Prayer. And so we talked about practices of that, about forgiveness, about praying for forgiveness for others because it matters and it's good for our soul. It's good for the church and it's needed. Now, this episode is a little dated. We recorded this sometime the week either of or before Christmas. And so you'll hear some references to last year. That doesn't take away the value though. So I'm excited you're here. Let's go. Aaron, we're going to skip the last name because on the second time in, you don't get last names. Um, <laughs> why not? Welcome back to the show, man. I know we've been working on this, I feel like, for like a year, but this, yeah. year, is, this year has been 72 months. So I'm glad, so that we, I'm glad that we found the time. How are you? Yep. You know, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Um, I was telling Shauna, uh, my wife, a couple days ago, it's like in 2020, 
it's not like good days and bad days. It's like good 15 minutes and bad 15 minutes. <laughs> like everything is just so intense. Yeah. So last couple of days have been way more, many more 15 minute chunks of goodness. That's so, good. Was well, that because of Christmas or good food or um, both or, or what? No, no. Um, it's just some, one of those subjective things where, uh, you know, there's been some, some things churning inside and mm -hmm. things that either are either break you or break you open. And I, I feel honestly like some things are breaking open. That's so, good. Yeah, that is good. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's very good. Yeah. I saw, well, I was, I was, my son and I was flipping through Facebook and, um, okay. I honestly had forgotten that we were, that we were on there together because I don't get okay. on Facebook often. And I saw some little R2D2 Star Wars Lego thing. And my son was like, <laughs> I want course. that. I was like, buddy, we're not doing that. Um, yes. But that looked fun. And then my son was like, well, I have money. I have money. My, absolutely. My <laughs> boys love Legos, but not nearly as much as I do. Really? I, so I don't oh like to God. build from the instruction books and it makes okay. him angry. I instead okay. like to break them all. I'm like, well, yeah, what can I yeah, make yeah. from this? Yep. He just gets so yep. mad about it. And I'm like, yep. he's like, don't touch my Legos. And none of them are mine. <laughs> Right. So now right. he has connects. And so I start building things with that and he yep. gets the same angry. I was like, you realize you could have so much more fun if you're like, you know what I'm going to build today? Yep. Whatever, whatever I want. I want. <laughs> whatever yeah. I, whatever yeah. I feel like. Yeah. Oh, well. Well, I wanted to bring you on because um, last time we talked, we talked about a book and those are fun, yeah. um, but they're really structured because there's a book that we're trying to, sure. to work through. Um, but one of the favorite things that you do for those listening uh, is, is you do like liturgies and like I, I listen to them mm -hmm. frequently. Um, oh, although that one on lament, I listen to more often than others. And that probably says something about me because yeah. there's like eight or nine yeah. or a thousand liturgies. I forget how many there <laughs> are. Of them. So I wanted to kind of talk about that. And you know, I, I sent you that in email and then kind of what that means, why that matters. And I think especially because I don't know that many people know how to do church right now outside of yeah. Zoom. And so we're right. missing a lot of things that I think could really help fulfill other spiritual needs. And yeah. I think liturgy could be one of those things, but I don't know that many people know what that means outside of the italics, yeah. the whole church reads, the bold, the pastor reads, and the bold right. underlined, you know, the, right. the the baby getting dedicated family reads. Sure. I think that's what most people, at least in my background, yeah. can you rip apart that a bit? What is liturgy? Why does it matter? Why do you think it matters? You know, yeah. and then, yeah, we'll just kind of roll from there. Yeah. Well, I did not grow up, I would say I grew up in a liturgically hostile Christian tradition. Mm. Um, we didn't just not endorse liturgy. We actively opposed it. The only thing that was valuable was whatever we made up in the moment. Mm. And there's an insight there and they were reacting against something that I think was appropriate to react against, but we just lost so much. So maybe, maybe I'll just say, I'll say it this way, you know, liturgy can literally be translated the work of the people. Mm. And this is a little reductionistic, but liturgy is basically what we do when we come together. So it's what we do. It's not what we think about. It's not even just what we sing. It's what we do when we're, when we're together. So the question is not, are you a liturgical church or are you not? Every church is liturgical. The question is, how does your current liturgy form you over time? So couple mm. examples. I was a part of a kind of classic evangelical megachurch in Chicago, Willow Creek, for a, a number of years. We had a very specific concrete liturgy. We had loud song, really loud song, earnest song. What is an earnest song? 
earnest, like just, I really, really mean it. Ah, okay. And then we had um, announcements and offering. We had a sermon and then we had a closing song. Every week, that was our liturgy. And that's not a bad liturgy. I, I, I was saying a little bit tongue in cheek, but that is a very appropriate liturgy and it forms people in a very specific way. Um, but I think what I, I started become, I started realizing all the ways it doesn't form people, that mm. specific liturgy. And so I, 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 just, I just began exploring other traditions. All right, obviously evangelical, white evangelical suburban Christians are not the only Christians, you yes. know, um, no kidding. Yes. <laughs> and so start just exploring what are the other tr ways that people have been worshiping for generations? What are the new ways that churches and communities are worshiping and started finding all these different practices. And for me, what I was most ignorant to was what had happened in the past because our tradition had kind of like set all of that aside. If it happened yeah. before 1975, it was dead to us. And <laughs> what a loss, what a loss. Yeah. And so I just started with a, a partner and this was back when I was part of Mars Hill Church in Grand Rapids. We just started trying to integrate other ways of worshiping, whether it would be a confession or a moment of silence or a scripture reading or just trying to, and I remember my, my wife was saying, why are we doing all these other things? Like, tell me, share why we're doing all this. And I was rambling about formation and liturgy and all this. And finally, my wife said, oh, so you're just trying to serve a well-balanced meal every Sunday. <laughs> and I remember thinking, precisely, you know, yeah. I had been serving the same meal three rock songs offering, you know, that whole thing. And it's a good meal. I have nothing negative to say about that meal other than it's only one meal. Yeah. And, you know, for, if we take the food analogy further, if you only eat one meal three times a day, you are not going to become as healthy as you were made to be. Yeah. And so we started exploring what are some different food groups, spiritual food groups that we have been not serving and malnourishing our community. And mm. that just led to a really exciting, surprising journey. For me, liturgy's always been just straight words, like just words. Because yeah. the way that I'm yeah. hearing you describe liturgy, it sounds more like the order of service, which is what my church would call the order of worship or order of service. So liturgy is definitely more than the words then. So I want to stick with that food metaphor. What as you yeah. were experimenting with other food groups um, or yeah. other nationality food groups, or I don't know, I'm going to break yeah, that no, metaphor really far apart. Yeah. What didn't yeah. taste well? Like when you tried it, you're like, yeah, this just doesn't work in the context of church that we live in. Was there anything where you're like, yeah, no, this well, is not, mm -mm, this tastes awful. Can't those are two, those are two different questions. Okay. Um, what didn't taste well? Almost anything new. Mm. But that's fundamentally different than so we shouldn't be doing them. Right. Right. <laughs> you know? I mean, again, as you know, trying to raise kids, pretty much the only thing that tastes good is mac and cheese and then chocolate ice cream. Yeah. That's that's what he wants. You can throw a nugget in there, a chocolate chicken. Yeah, nugget. a nugget. Yeah. If there's a, a nugget or two for a healthy for a healthy meal, <laughs> eats a nugget. Protein. Uh, right. <laughs> but that's the discernment that we have to do with our teams as we're introducing new food groups. How many of these are uncomfortable, thank God, 
And God will use this discomfort to invite us deeper. And how many of these are just, you know what? That's not us. That's not, that's not a food for us in this season. And that is a really deep discernment question. It can't just be, did we get more emails against it or for it? <laughs> um, it can't be, let's poll and see. You know, again, if I poll my nine-year-old, it's going to be mac and cheese again next week. Yeah. Can I tell a quick story? Yeah. One of my mentors, uh, John Whitfleet, uh, he's the... Um, uh, he runs uh, Calvin College's wor whole worship department. He's just utterly brilliant and even more gracious, which is an awesome combination. And a number of years ago, when I was at Willow, he, he, he and I were uh, having this long conversation. He goes, all right, let me tell you a story. He said, when your kids are little, pre-language, they are frustrated and we are frustrated. All they can do is grunt and point and, you know. And he said, so a good parent teaches kids the language to articulate what is already going on inside. And so that's how we, we teach them to say, I'm scared or I'm hungry or, you know, it's, what a gift. Mm -hmm. But at a certain point, a good parent also has to teach their kids language that the kid would never choose to say. But if they use that language, it forms them into the kinds of human beings we want them to become, which is why we teach them words like, I'm sorry, mm. or please, or that was my fault. You know, what, what four-year-old says, you know, my bad, I, I, I stole that and I should, you know, of course not. We have to learn that. And so Dr. Whitfield's words to me was, there is expressive worship and there is formative worship. And both are biblical, both are desperately necessary. But he challenged me. He said, I would get with your team and try to discern how much of your worship is expressive, like helping people say what they naturally want to say, and how much of it is formative, inviting them into practices they might not otherwise choose, but will form them. And he said, he said, I, don't start with a hundred new practices. Say for the next six, six months. There is one word that we're not very good at saying as a community. Um, you know, for activistic churches, maybe that word is silence. Maybe it's not saying a word. Yeah. Maybe it's resting. Or for real contemplative, insular churches, maybe that word is, God, here am I, send me. Let's pray for people outside of this room, you know, whatever it is. Again, it's back to discernment. What are the food groups missing? What are the food groups that you're, that nourishes your church? Don't ever lose it. Yeah. Don't ever lose those food groups. But then begin to discern. Maybe it's been 18 months since you've had anything green. Well, um, <laughs> January would be a great time, maybe three or four times in January to introduce or reintroduce something green. You used earlier, and I can't remember if I was recording or not, I may have been, you know, having seasons of your life that things either uh, break you or, or make you, I think was what you said, or you said it backwards. So you think liturgy can do the same thing then. So for a church that's used to doing things, like we do, we do things, maybe yeah. that church does something yeah. that intentionally breaks, breaks something. Yep. But that also allows the other portions of the church to learn how to create something. If Maybe I'm, am I saying that right? Or no, am I, I think am I so. Wrong? Yeah. It's, it's the well-balanced meal. It's mm. the, 
if you go to a gym, I, I also love the, the, the gym analogies are really rich with, with uh, formative worship. But, you know, if you go to the gym and you only do one kind of exercise exclusively over and over and over, that muscle will get really big and the rest will atrophy mm. and you'll eventually get hurt. Yeah. And so again, but it's not, the goal is to not disparage that one exercise then. That's what a lot of my post-evangelical friends do. They say the entire enterprise is flawed and, you know, like Disney World and we hate it all. Well, it's not enough, but it's actually really beautiful in ways. And so there are gifts to every tradition that we dare not ever lose. And I say that to my Catholic friends and to my Episcopal friends, to my Baptist friends. And with every tradition, there are toxic parts that need to be rejected and let go. Mm -hmm. And then there are missing parts that need to be um, included. And yeah. So. Yeah. So do you think that with churches basically shutting down for the bulk of this year. Actually, many yeah. churches haven't shut down. But when I say that, I mean the way that we worship is no, entirely that's different. It's a, um, a fair statement. Yeah. That it's a good opportunity for churches to come together collectively at a leadership level and say, this is the time. We literally, the power has been off in the fridge. All the food is spoiled anyway. Yes. And yes. so we should really just maybe get new things on the shelves because the people that are coming back probably aren't going to be the same people that left because I think... That's right. I think I know from emails that many people are like, I kind of miss the community, but I don't know that I miss coming to church. I think it was just a habit. Yeah. I don't think I miss yeah. church. I'm, I, I, I kind of miss hanging out with you, but I don't sure. I don't miss whatever that sure. was. So yeah. what are maybe two things for an evangelical church? Because the bulk of the people yeah. listening for the most part are in Canada, Australia, the UK, United okay. States, that maybe you would say, yeah, take this off the shelf as we're in 2020. Yeah. And then just to give us some context, I'm really, and I'll probably edit this out, I'm thinking about releasing this right as we begin Lent. So what are maybe oh, some yeah. practices for 2021 for the yeah. church to kind of go, here's where we can be intentional with two or three different yeah. things that, you know, maybe don't work for every church, but overall right. as a whole will maybe help people do things differently. Right. Wow. There's so much there. I'll start answering and then maybe re-ask the question a couple times to <laughs> so I can make sure I get to, get to everything. Fair enough. Well, one question that has popped up a lot in this season of virtual church, which I think no one thinks that watching church on a screen is the best way, but I, I would also say it's sure better than nothing. Yeah. Um, there's, there have been some very beautiful moments of staying connected with our community through a screen. So I'm grateful for it, even as I'm desperate for us to move beyond it. But one question it has really sparked in me is, if your gathering can be reasonably reproduced on video, then I think that raises some very significant questions about what your gathering actually is. Mm. And, you know, I would say we all wish and desire for our communities to be more community, um, more dialogue, more uh, shared, more human. But man, if it's easily transferable to a screen, then we have to ask, or is our gathering just a live performance? Mm. There's a really smart uh, pastor person there's some really gifted musicians. Pastor we, person. Yeah. We, <laughs> we, we 
you know, we listen to the great songs, maybe sing along a little bit, but they don't need us. They're better than us at singing and doing this stuff. And then the pastor gets up and talks about we, but it's, it's just his or her voice, you know? And it, I, so that's really been messing with me. Like, wow, some of our church services transfer perfectly to a screen that we can consume on our own time. Mm. Well, that doesn't make it bad. You know, TED Talks are that way and they're really helpful, but let us never confuse that with church. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. That's really, that is a really different thing than the ecclesia, the gathered body. Yeah. So yeah. anyways, so that that's the first question that's been bouncing around a lot. So I, I would even say for those who have had a hard time uh, translating their gatherings to screen, maybe that's a tribute that's a good thing. That you're not just doing a performance that can be replicated, but mm. you're actually a community. Um, mm. I hadn't thought so, about that. Yeah, yeah. So that's, yeah. A, that's a thought. Yeah. You know, as we move into the future, the practices that I think, I mean, maybe if I could bring it down to one single practice, that if I could encourage every single Christian a especially evangelical Americans, especially white evangelical Americans like me, it would be to begin a consistent regimen of praying for our enemies, Mm. of blessing those who curse, of putting Jesus' words into practice. And I don't say that because I believe that we are the great victims that need to, you know, that narrative does not resonate with me. But I feel like it's some of Jesus's brilliance of inviting us to consider what it means to love the other, not demonize them. Mm. Mm. What it means to see those that we disagree with as sisters and brothers, as daughters and sons, deeply loved of God. Doesn't mean we don't have disagreements. Of course we do. And we hold those. And some of those are really important to talk about. But the level of demonization of the other is so toxic and so common in Christian circles. It's a, it's scandal. It's anti-Christ. Yeah. Like literally in the kind of definition of what Jesus was about and our churches often embody precisely the opposite. Yeah. So um, we actually did this in 2016 with our practice community as the uh, Trump and Hillary Clinton election was getting rolling. And it was so contentious. And in our community, we had people on all sides of the political spectrum. So, but what we all shared was everyone was angry. <laughs> Everyone thought the other side worked. That hasn't changed. Yeah. No, right, right. Yeah. It's gotten worse. Yeah. And so for our little community, what we, what we decided to do, and this plays back into the question of liturgy, is already in our liturgy, we always had a time of confession and uh, assurance uh, following the historic pattern. And so we added every Sunday, 52 Sundays that year, we added a third movement. We do a confession some silence. Then we'd hear an assurance, you know, as far as the East is from the West. And then we'd pray for one enemy. Mm. And sometimes it was a like global enemy. Sometimes it was a political enemy. Sometimes I would kind of guide us 
is there someone in your life who kind of feels to you like an enemy? And we would not pray that God would change them or smite them. <laughs> we prayed that God would bless them. Mm. Just what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, that, that God would bless their families. And, um, and it was so difficult and it was, we hated it. Um, and it changed us profoundly. Mm. Oh, it's that time. I have to try to pay the bills. Be right back after this small break. Let us embody the practice of receiving and offering forgiveness. Please open your right hand. Invite God to gently guide your memory to a sin that you committed this week, a way that you fell short of love with a family member, neighbor, or with yourself. Let the Spirit mercifully turn the lights on so you can see more and more of reality. Now imagine that you are holding that sin in your right hand. What does it look like? What does it feel like? Take a moment to humbly hold this reality in God's loving presence. Keeping your right hand open, please also open your left hand and invite God to gently guide your memory to one person who has sinned against you. Maybe it was a small slight or maybe it was a devastating violation. Allow the spirit to mercifully direct your attention and bring one specific person to mind. Now imagine that you are gently holding this person who hurt you in your left hand. What is their name? What emotion do they evoke in you? Let yourself feel it. And take a moment to humbly hold this person 
in God's loving presence. Finally, bring both hands together in front of your heart, both your sin and your neighbors. Feel the weight of the ways we have all fallen short of love. And if you're willing, repeat after me. Most merciful God, Forgive me. Forgive them. Most merciful God, forgive me as I forgive them. May your mercies flow down upon me. and upon them. Thank you for grace. Amen and amen. Are you able to share any of those stories of like people like towards the end where they're like, Aaron, let me tell you, I hated this in January and I still actually hate it in December. But let oh, yeah. me tell you a bit about what changed. Like, what does that look like? Because honestly, I struggle. So I've, I've watched people on, especially social media, handle yeah. things so nuancedly that I'm like, well, that was the most kind response to a hateful right. argument I've ever seen. And right. I can't do that. I just yeah. have to like turn it off for days at a time and then go, yeah. oh, shoot, I never emailed my mom back. And I'm not saying that yeah, I'm yelling right. with my mom. That's not right. what I mean. Like, I just no, disengaged no, no, from everything. Right, right. And um, I can't, I can't, I, 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 if you ask me to pray for my enemies... I think I would say I would do it and I would probably yeah. just fall asleep in the prayer. So like, <laughs> what are some of those stories? So there's some hope there for people of, yes, yeah, here's some of the things that happened if, if you're able to share any of those. Yeah. Well, I, I you know, obviously I, I wouldn't betray any trust. Correct. I could give some, yeah. some, some general, sure. what we've heard and what, what we've experienced. Mm-hmm. And some of it is, you know, to your point, there is a time to just walk away. Mm. And, and, and that's back, you know, if I could bring up discernment again, that's back to a discernment thing. Um, there is a time where walking away is running and avoiding, and that's not good. Right. But there is a time where walking away is wisdom and protection and kindness, you know. So there is a time to not always engage. I would say that the, what praying for our enemies, one of the many things it does, is it humanizes them. Mm. So that person is not just a uh, Trump fool or a stupid liberal or a, you know, that person is a, becomes over time through the spirit, a um, deeply beloved human being that I think is making a really bad decision with that political dot, 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 you know? Mm. 
And that switch is so fundamental. That sounds like nuance, but that's the difference between being able to stay engaged and wanting to destroy. Hmm. So I think the humanizing aspect of that practice is so profound. I mean, because what Jesus said was the highest calling of any any Christ follower is love God and love our neighbor as ourselves. Yeah. Paul, you know, the apostle Paul said, the only thing that matters is faith expressing itself in love. Mm. You know, if we have not love, doesn't matter if we're, you know, yeah. uh, yeah. we're loud yeah. clanging symbols. So yeah. like love is the thing and in many ways is the only thing. And um, so practices like this feel like ways to either stay Christian or not. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so yeah, yeah. so that's maybe a real specific one. Uh, can I tell you one personal yeah. way? Sure. You were asking for a personal story sure. and while I was saying that one popped. Um, and I shared that in my book, this story in my book actually. Uh, but my wife had an incredibly painful job uh, experience and some people really hurt her. And I was on staff too with her. So it was very complicated. Mm. Uh, I had to keep reporting to the person that really wounded her. And so, uh, so I was leaving for a vacation and someone had given me a book on censoring prayer, which I had never heard of and frankly wasn't interested in, but <laughs> I was in so much pain and I was leaving on this trip. So I just threw it in my bag. And once we got there, I started reading it and it, it opened up this whole thing. And I said, well, for the next, this was like a summer break. So for the next three weeks, every morning, I'm going to do a 20 minute centering prayer set. And, you know, I was terrible at it and still I'm still rather bad at centering prayer. <laughs> but by the end of the first week, I started settling in a little bit. By the end of the second week, the most surprising thing happened. I wasn't even trying. I started thinking about this person that had hurt her and some things started melting. Mm. And again, it wasn't, had I tried to forgive that guy, I couldn't have, and frankly, would never have even tried. But when I started opening myself up into a bigger love, a bigger space, a bigger mercy, there was room for my brokenness. There was room for all the ways I had failed and continue to fail. And there was even room for that guy. Mm. I have like two or three questions left because I know sure. w w I have a lot of questions actually. Um, and I, again, let me say um, how thankful I am that you're willing to just riff with me. So your most recent liturgy is the Lord's Prayer, unless there's another yeah. one and I missed it. Nope, um, nope. that was this this summer. And yep. I will say that was fun to watch your little behind the scenes that you put somewhere, uh, maybe on Vimeo, of you like banging on yep. five gallon buckets. And That's right. That yep. was that was fun. Fun. Fun fun to watch. I'm sure it wasn't fun to record and mix. No, and it, was, it was exhilaratingly fun. It was, was it really? so fun. Oh, I was just <laughs> in this little, we were staying in Michigan. Mm -hmm. We were in quarantine. So we had nothing going on. I set up the most basic studio in the garage. And I thought, well, since I'm in it, this isn't Abbey Road, so I better take advantage of, <laughs> of being in a garage. And so I said, I'm just going to find stuff to bang on. All the reverb. And that became all the percussion <laughs> was just all these little clanks. How did and, the family deal with that as you walk around going, boom, boom, it, 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 It's boom. a detached garage. So it's like a hundred yards away from the <laughs> So we had no house. idea. So no one heard. Yeah. Was, <laughs> You're just out there hitting stuff. It's very cathartic. Anyways. Um, so why the Lord's Prayer? 
kind of go through that. And then you, so for those not listening, you should hit pause and go and, and get it. Honestly, you should just buy it. It's, it's, it's not expensive and it's my kids and I listen to it in the car. Not frequently, uh, but, but yeah. I'll say often. On occasion. Um, yeah. 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 And it's about, I think minute eight. Um, I forget what it is. I think that is the um, forgive us as we forgive others portion of the Lord's prayer. I really do yeah. struggle with that part. <laughs> um, and yeah. I usually hit pause. What kind of made you want to do the Lord's Prayer? Because your liturgies yep. topic all or topically just go all over the place. And then what yep. specifically in there is you were working through uh, the guided liturgy for people listening of do this, you know, open your hands, consider this. Yep. Were you did did you struggle the most with where you're like, yeah. oh, this was hard for me oh, to do? Great question. Well, the the Lord's Prayer, it it happened pretty organically. It has been a really, really central part of my just personal faith. Mm-hmm. Uh it's second century church leader Tertullian says the Lord's prayer is the whole gospel. Mm. It's the whole story. And so it's, that's been really compelling for a long time. And so it's, it's almost been like burning a hole in my pocket. Like it's been burning in there. And I I had written this little song just to help me uh, sing it. And I thought, what if I flesh this little song and this epic prayer into a full experience. So it's uh, it's called A New Liturgy, number eight, The Lord's Prayer. And it's you can find it at newliturgy.com or anewliturgy.com. But we basically just take line by line and I share like 15 seconds of thoughts about that word and then invite us into a practice to do it. Because that's the other thing about the Lord's Prayer that's been so compelling to me. Jesus didn't just say, here is a script for you to recite. Um, Jesus offered a framework. It's mm. like a springboard. It's it's the container in which we then flesh it out in unique to us ways. And so that to me is so compelling. And so, yeah, so there's, I could talk for a long time. I actually just wrote a paper to end this semester on, on, on the Lord's Prayer because I'm so interested in it right now. But yeah. it's it's less about believing that it's true and it's not even about saying it. It's about fleshing it into our actual bodies, into our lives, into our relationships, which, as you brought up, is why that forgive us as we forgive mm-hmm. is so difficult and important. One thing, just to, to jump on t- for the second part of your question, the verse after the Lord's Prayer in, in the Sermon on the Mount, so you know, after the, the Lord's Prayer, the next verse is, for if you don't forgive those who have wronged you, then neither will God forgive you. Mm. <laughs> like that's in the Bible. And I, <laughs> I, it's so hard to wrap your, wrap your heart around that until you start realizing that that is less God is vindictive and more, as Dallas Willard say, Dallas Willard teached, teached, is that a word? It Less is now. As Dal- <laughs> Dallas Willard taught. Um, Jesus' teachings are simple observations about how life actually works. Mm. And the observation here is grace either flows both ways or it doesn't flow at all. Mm. Either we say, yes, let mercy flow, or we block it from either coming in or going out. And I think that is such a profound both observation because it's been true in my life and then reason to pray, not just that God would forgive us so it flows in, 
but so that God would also forgive them to keep that channel of mercy flowing. Yeah. yeah. So, so which portion of the Lord's Prayer where you're like, yeah, I'm not writing this, or I can't sing this, or I can't pray this, or whatever it is? Yeah. Is it that, or is it a, is it a different portion? Well, that's easily the most difficult one because mm-hmm. as you start practicing it, actual people yeah. come to mind. Yeah. So it's easy. I love the idea of, yeah, I can forgive my blah, blah, blah. Wait, wait, wait. But that person, even after that thing happened? So that's by far and away the most, has been the most uh, difficult one to practice. Yeah. But I will say the idea, the um, hallowed is your name mm. line, I probably struggled the most with. Not resistance, but just like, I don't know what to make of that. Um, I believe it's true, but you know, you can take that idea into the realm of like God is insecure and commands that you tell God how great God is, you know, <laughs> you tell me holy, 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 or else, you know, that kind of again, back yeah. to a vin- insecure, vindictive God. Yeah. Um, rather than consenting to reality, which is that God is at the center of everything. God holds everything together. And it's not that God says, I, I need to be reminded. Can you say it again? Um, God says, will you consent to what's already true? Will you stop pretending you're at the center mm. and uh, open up to the bigger and deeper reality? So, mm. but yeah, that was when I, I, I ha- had struggled and, and still kind of wrestle to talk about it well. How did you get the strings in there? Are you playing those? No, uh, that was my friend, Dave Campbell. He lives here in New York. And so I had just sent him, Mm. we did that virtually. And then the singer, Liz Weiss, uh, she lives in New York also. Uh, We did that virtually, but everything else we did in Michigan. Huh, yeah, yeah. that sounds like a fun quarantine. Um, Yeah, it was was really, really fun. Yeah, so um, I started asking this question like, around Christmas of 2019. And then actually, okay. so for, for context, we're recording this. What I don't even know what today is. Is today the third? I don't even know what, what is today? 29th, Absolutely, I think. Absolutely, I don't, I have no idea. Time is, no, it's, I know. it's warped. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I've also been on vacation for two weeks. Uh, well, oh, I'm, nice. I'm finishing my second vacation because I canceled all the rest and then I did all those PPP loans at the bank. And so like, right. I literally was just exhausted. Like I haven't been on vacation yeah. since like March. Oh, um, wow. So I, I just needed a break. So yeah, time to me, I, I haven't put my watch on in two weeks. Like I, I don't care. It just, it is what it is. If it's not in the calendar, it doesn't happen. So I started asking this question of everyone about what do they mean when they say the word God? Like, what are they actually trying to say? What is that? Who is that? Blah. And then actually, yeah. so today actually, or, or Monday, um, I mixed all those together as one huge episode that has nothing of me in it. There is no me in there. It's yeah. just affirmation okay. after affirmation of here's what God is and here's what I mean when I say that. Yeah. So I think I'm going to keep yeah. doing it because honestly, I yeah. liked it. Um, yeah. And I learned so much um, about the the character of, of God yeah. just from hearing people try to give voice to that. So I wonder if you would yeah. do the same thing. So for you, Aaron, when you're like, when I say God, yeah, here's what I'm saying. Yep. What is that? Um, well, I would start with God is the good that holds the universe together. Hmm. Um, the love at the center of everything. The, I uh, really like the idea of uh, the animator. Um, you know, my, my heart is beating right now. I'm not doing that. Mm. I'm not causing that to happen. Um, 
what is causing that to happen or who is causing that to happen? That is the good that holds everything together. The source of life. Source is another word that really resonates with me. You know, we can go down the Paul Tillich, the ground of our being, mm. the apostle Paul, for it is in God, we live, move and have our being. That is really profound. Mm. I think almost any idea that takes God out of a singular position somewhere far away on a cloud, anything that moves God away from in one spot far away is really moving. Uh, one of the, you know, back to the Lord's prayer, our father who art in heaven, which can be translated our father who is in the heavens, our father who fills the heavens and all things, our father who fills the atmosphere, the very air around us, our father who is closer than the air we breathe. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, we don't have to convince God to move from far to close. God is already as close as the air we breathe. We just need to wake up to what's already true. Yeah. Well, that's, that's beautiful to me. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Thank you for that. Where do you yeah. want people to go, Aaron? Cause normally we've got a book that we're hawking or something like that. <laughs> so what, what should people do at the, at the end of close? They're like, yeah, I could, I want to do something. Yeah. Where, where do you want them to do the, the, all the things on the, all the in, things. interwebs well, or whatever? <laughs> in terms of what you're asking, as far as resources and next step, yeah. I have everything underneath myname.com, AaronNequist.com. And under that is, is the book, which honestly, I know it's two years old. I'm still really excited about it. It really, it's a good uh, book. well, thank you. I, I wasn't look, I wasn't like, Search it for a compliment. I was well, no, just it's, saying. It's behind me. It's right there. Um, oh, okay, your cool. book made me start doing the examine and I've done it really? every day since that book. It's um, life-changing. Yeah, it is. The examine is life transforming if we do it. Yeah. I do it oh, on my way. So I do it on my way to work. It. Yeah. Your yeah. book, uh, there's three or four books that um, yeah. have been impactful over the last few years. Um, oh, and it's man, yours thanks is, for saying yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd never heard of that practice before then. Yeah. Yeah, and then when I heard it, I'm like, well, whatever. Jesuit practice, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I tried it and I'm like, oh, this is uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and I've like learned any, that uncomfortability yeah. is usually mm. where I should be. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Anyway. We actually just did for our church, we did three Advent um, live uh, Zoom experiences. Hmm. And so we didn't want to do a recorded Advent service, but we also couldn't get together. So we did it on Zoom. And the first night I guided us through an examine on the whole pandemic season. And we looked at the blessings of this season, which was difficult. And then we looked at the losses of this season and tried to hold them together in God's presence. It was very, very, it was difficult, but it's very healing. And Where holy. is that? I'd like to watch that. Yeah. Um, I think the church just posted it on YouTube. Which church? Um, Good Shepherd, New York. That's our church. And Good Shepherd, New York has a YouTube channel, which is where they've been posting all the, the services. Uh, David Gunger the, of The Brilliance does all the music. And oh. The music is bonkers. I love good. The Brilliance. Yep. Yeah. And um, so the music is wonderful. And then uh, Michael Rodzina is the preacher. He's fabulous and uh, all that. But we, we also posted the, the three Advent uh, Wednesday night services. 
Mm. And so the first one is the one we did that examine on. So I'd highly encourage I'll look that you. up. Yeah, I'll put that I'll put that in the in the oh, notes. Oh, put it yeah, put that in, in yeah. notes. Um, and then you you had mentioned the A New Liturgy project. Mm-hmm. And that's just eight recordings. They're about 25 minutes a piece. Um and they're just invitations to not just listen to songs, but to enter into practices on different themes. There's one on creation. There's one on the examine. We actually do a whole 25 minute uh, version of the examine. There's the Lord's prayer. There's uh, yeah, there's a number of different things, but the whole thing is do something. Yeah. Don't just think about the examine, do the examine. Don't just think about gratitude. I mean, one practice, we talked a lot about dark practices in the last uh, few minutes here, but like, we also desperately need practices like gratitude. Mm. We have got to hold on to what is good, even in 2020, even in 2020, right? Like um, if we lose hold of the blessings, we're so intent on mourning well, but we lose the good, then we're equally out of balance just on the other half, mm. just on the other side. So we need uh we need practices of engagement with the world, of serving others. We need practices of gratitude and thanksgiving. And so we need it all. Yeah. Well-balanced meal. Maybe yeah. that brings us back to the beginning. <laughs> there we go. That's yeah. um, as Dave Chappelle I saw on Netflix or somewhere. That's the callback. That's that, You did Yeah, it. the we callback. It's just nice. not comedic yeah. value. So why not? <laughs> um, well, Aaron, thank you for your time this morning. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah, I appreciate it. And um, thanks for what you do. It's, it's been impactful mm-hmm. for me. So... music in today's episode is from the Lord's Prayer liturgy that Aaron has written with some friends. And uh, do check out the show notes, find all the links to all the places. That is a fun project. But I did want to end with the Lord's Prayer. And I'm going to take this from the message version because I like the way that it's written. Here we go. Our Father in heaven, reveal who you are. Set the world right. Do what's best as above, so below. Keep us alive with three square meals. Keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. You are in charge. You can do anything you want. You're ablaze in beauty. Yes, yes, yes.